0: Mama, what's the podcast? Well, it's when a group of men love their opinions very much. Welcome to Feminists Talk Religion, where feminist voice, religion talk, and honest conversation intersect. In this season, season three of Feminists Talk Religion... We are taking a break from our traditional format. This season, we will provide two miniseries about two topics we think are really important. Elise Ambrose is helping us think about art in the feminism, religion, and art miniseries. Susan Wooliver is helping us think about mental health in her feminism, religion, and mental health miniseries. I am Elise Ambrose. I am a black queer ethicist, educator, and creative. Today's episode features Autumn Brown. Autumn Brown is a mother, organizer, theologian, artist, and facilitator. She co-hosts the podcast, How to Survive the End of the World, and is a worker-owner with the Anti-Oppression Resource and Training Alliance, (AORA). Her writing has been featured in Lightspeed Magazine, Octavius Brood, the Procyon Science Fiction Anthology, and Revolutionary Mothering. Love on the front lines. Let's get started. It is a great joy to be with you, Autumn Brown.
1: It's a great joy to be bead with.
0: <laughs> I have you here. Um, I'm looking at your bio, uh, the brief version of it, as I as I understand it, and I, I'm reading just the first line. It says, mother, organizer, theologian, artist facilitator. These are our titles or roles that we can we can ascribe and and that's cool and at the same time um, I'm thinking about like the way that we present ourselves in the world in order to be um, understood by others, in order to be received, in order for people to know or, or have a sense of what they can experience when Autumn comes on the scene, when Elise comes on the scene, right? We choose right, these right. these roles for that purpose. But I'm wondering for you, in terms of how you see yourself in the world, it's, the, it's theologian and artist that I'm really leaning into um, and that meet our purposes here. But I imagine that there's some interdependence there. And I just wanna know like, how do these titles or these roles um, enliven you What do they speak to you as a person how do they awaken you
1: oh i love this question i love this question it's it's funny because um there's a way that the artist title has taken me a lot it's been a longer arc for me to be able to claim that as title slash identity slash way that i'm making myself legible in terms of the fullness of, of who I am. It's been a longer arc for that one than it has been for identifying publicly as a theologian, even though I was an, an artistic practitioner for many years. I mean, for my whole life prior to to studying theology. I think that for me, the there's a way that, that presencing my background as a theologian, it's it's both like it's like a call and response to myself. (laughs) You know, it's like, it's like, hey, there's, there's a part of, of your mind that is deeply informed by this way of understanding world, worldview, belief system, human interaction, and, and that way of understanding the world is actually going to always be present in anything that you do. So presence it to yourself, right? (laughs) and, And then it's a way of also being, you know, being playful with that part of myself. You know, there's when when I was when I was studying theology, I mean, I I went into some pretty deep rabbit holes. I studied biblical languages pretty intensively. I studied biblical Hebrew and Coptic and uh, biblical Greek. And Greek was the, was the language that I did the most intensive study in. But I, I remember that when I was deeply in that study, it unlocked parts of me that I didn't know were there, you know, uh, particularly when I was studying Greek. That my Greek teacher, who was a very eccentric person, I remember at one point um, he said to our class, You have to teach yourself to think like a Greek. And I remember thinking, I think you did successfully teach yourself to think like a Greek, and that's why you are the way that you are. <laughs> like, you're not fully functional in the world, um, in this current world. But I, rem- I do remember going through that process that it that it unlocked a different way for my brain to be able to hold information and to, to view events around me, or unlocked the ability to sort of say, oh, what if I didn't understand what I was experiencing as someone who was socialized as like a mixed-race black woman in, you know, the 21st century? <laughs> what if I was to understand these events through the lens of a different time and a different place? And that, that way of thinking intersects completely with my work as an artist because one of my primary mediums as an artist is speculative fiction. And I, I write science fiction. And speculative fiction. I, I do other kinds of writing as well, but that's the artistic medium that I prefer. <laughs> um, and that's also what writing speculative fiction is about. It's about unlocking other ways of viewing what is, other ways of viewing what is happening in the world, but also other ways of viewing how how the world is experienced by a human body, or a non-human body. <laughs> so for me, for me, the practices are actually very they they are interlock, interlocking inside me.
0: I'm just getting an image of like a mutual watering between all of them that, that they can feed one another in particular ways and cause them to sprout in one's life, perhaps <laughs> at the times when they are needed most, and um, mm-hmm. but that they're always bubbling at the surface and and prepared to uh, to come forth. So that's my yeah. metaphor for what you are <laughs> for what you I are describing.
1: <laughs> I love metaphors, and I love that metaphor. That's great.
0: Well, good, good. <laughs> and and I mean, I think. We, I'm looking to metaphor because as, as you've been talking about speculative fiction and you talk about envisioning other worlds, that, uh, that possibility often isn't as clear when we just use straightforward language or, or maybe even descriptions of what is right now, mm. allow, uh, allowing ourselves to go into what can be. I think metaphor helps us to get there.
1: It really does. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It really really does yeah well I appreciate I appreciate that and I'm wondering like for yourself I was I was actually walking down the street the other day and I saw a quote from an artist his name is Tony Hooligan and the the quote said to be fully self-expressed and non-conforming I believe is the true nature of an artist Mm. To be fully self-expressed and non-conforming is the true nature of an artist. I wouldn't, um, you know, exactly, you know, put that on you, but I think it gives us something to think about in terms of self-expression. And um, we talked about these roles that you embody, but also um, these intersections of feminist and artist. And like sort of spiritual inclination or attunement as a theologian, but also as an organizer, as a strategist, mm-hmm. as a creative nonfiction and, and and speculative fiction writer. Like all of these things are intersecting for you. And I think saying something about your self-expression. But what I'm wondering, as you hold all those together, what is the end
1: that you seek in that? Mm. I mean, I think what I seek is is not an end, you know, uh-huh. not to be that, like, difficult inter- interviewee. <laughs> well, I'm
0: an ethicist, right? So I, I took me immediately I to <laughs> end. So let me like, back.
1: But towards what end? Um, <laughs> but I think, well, first I, I wanted to just react a little bit to that quote because mm-hmm. I, I love that quote because I do think that, like, um, artists, like, at, I mean, my own journey as an artist has been – my even my journey towards being able to, one, identify as an artist, but two, to make art, to actually like make the art that my body, my mind, my lifetime wants me to make, right? I have had to crack every possible fucking binary that exists in my life, right? And you know, I, at the outset of that journey, I wouldn't necessarily have framed it that way that I'm like, I'm having to break down this binary in order to be able to do a writing residency. But I can look back and see that, that part of the the spiritual work that I was having to do in order to make room in my life for my full artistic expression, the spiritual work was about um, disrupting and tearing down binaries that sought to confine my expression. Um, And some of those binaries were inside my personal life. Some of those binaries have been in my professional life. Some of those binaries have been in my family life. You know, like there's, there's so many places in our lives in which we seek to contain one another, not necessarily because we think that we want that, (laughs) but most often because, um, that that's part of how we are able to like stabilize ourselves as we move through the world. It's like creating containers to understand other people inside of, you know? Um, so I've really been on a journey of just understanding like "Mm, my container is just not, my container is like a different shape and maybe it's a shape that like most people can't see and that's okay. (laughs) Um, and then, you know, what, and then there's the towards, you know, towards for me is like, a it's unfolding, you know, like one of the things I often say about my writing, for instance, is that I, it's rare for me to feel like I am creating something when I'm writing. It is much more the case, typically, that I feel that I am channeling something. Um, and <clears throat> like I, I tend to experience my writing process as being inhabited by a story or being inhabited by a set of characters who have like elected me as the vehicle for how their story is going to be told. It often doesn't, you know, I, I don't, I'm not one of those people who's sitting there being like, I really want to write a story about X, Y, Z with a character who does this, this, that, you know, it's much more like I wake up and this thing is, is happened inside my body, right? Or happened inside my brain. And then I, I have this drive, this, uh, what Octavia Butler Would have called positive obsession right like something it takes hold and i can't not write it um and so because of that because that's how i experience my artistic process i know that it's i I i've had to just really get Familiar with and comfortable with the fact that it is a mystery. It is a total mystery. So that question, like towards what end? It's like I don't know. It's a mystery. <laughs> and all I know is that, like all i all I can say for sure is I am a vehicle for that mystery, mm-hmm. and that feels profoundly feminist to me. You know, it feels like a profoundly feminist act for me to like let myself be a vehicle of mystery or a vessel of mystery. Um, like that is, you know. There is something that's deeply, deeply creative about that and deeply like, like when I think about what is feminism, not on an intellectual level, but more on a a level of like spiritual practice or, or emotional practice, it is about like harmonizing with yourself, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. You know what? Our
0: our takeaway for the day may very well be something around this vessel of mystery.
1: Mm, it sounds kind of sexy when you say it back to me. I'm <laughs> like, oh, that's that's that why mystery. I'm taking
0: hold of it and taking it with me.
1: <laughs> but no, thank you, Autumn Brown
0: vessel of mystery. Thank you. Guys. <laughs> sharing your practice, sharing your art, sharing a bit of yourself with us. And uh, yeah, I look forward to all the mystery that will unfold.
1: Um, now I've, I've found another thing I'm gonna add to my bio title. <laughs> Ves- Autumn, Autumn Brown, Vessel of, <laughs> Vessel of Mystery. So be it. I really appreciate being invited to put my voice into this program. Thank you.
0: Exactly. I appreciate you being with me. Thank Beautiful. you. Thank Enjoy you. your day. You too. Bye. Bye.
2: Thank you for listening to Feminist Talk Religion, a Feminist Studies and Religion Collaboratory Branch Project. Feminist Studies and Religion works to center and connect feminists and religious studies through its various platforms, including a journal, books, blog, and lab. We appreciate your engagement with FSR's branches, especially with the last podcast, and would love your financial support. You can donate at www.fsrinc.com org/ slash donate. That's slash donate We wish to express our thanks to all who have contributed to the Feminist Talk Religion podcast. Special appreciation goes to Nayara Leo, Olowakimiine Oridaine, Elise Ambrose, Sarah Emanuel, Midori Hartman, and Susan Wooliver for their leadership and committee efforts. Thanks goes to Gabby Guerrero for her editorial work, Thomas Lejoie and Scott Jackson for creating the music used for this podcast, and Kimmy Monte, Christy Cobb, and Owen Cobb for their creative work on the intro dialogue. Thanks also goes to the interns at Feminist Studies and Religion Inc. for their work on promoting this project.